dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Please don't forget about the gram at Burns Clan. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all thought I was going to forget. It's been a minute since I've been here and y'all thought I was going to skip the opportunity to officially introduce the one. The only. I need some sort of beat under this, bro. I need a beat. I need some. I need them to feel me. Okay. I need y'all to feel it in your chest. The man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check verified himself. Doctor. <laughs> D-O-C-T-O-R. Doctor. Jamar Tisby. Listen, I, I don't even remember your, your your middle name, so I would have given you a whole right there. But I'm just gonna stop right there. Dr. Tisby, what's going on, brother? Man, listen, folks, if you don't have a co-host that'll gas you up like Tyler Burns, what even are you doing? I appreciate that, brother. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I said he a doctor. <laughs> a whole doctor. While writing two books. My, my. Y'all not hearing me. Y'all not hearing me. While running organizations. While out there speaking at your college, at your church, wow! While wow. recording a podcast, while being a husband and a father, y'all not hear me? Listen, <laughs> listen! I'm gonna cut this recording off. Y'all better <laughs> praise God, praise God on His behalf, because if God is blessing your neighbor, that means He in the neighborhood. Okay, let me. Stop. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, hey, hey, we hey, not enough of us went to church. Come on now. <laughs> hey, look, nah, nah, I ain't, I ain't gonna do it. I ain't gonna do it to you. Listen, man, let me just say this on a on a serious note. I'm proud of you, bro. Um, mm. I know what the past few years have been for you and been like for you, and we have had many a conversation. So I just want to say publicly what you already know privately. I'm proud, man. I'm proud to call you my friend and my colleague, and you are a well deserved doctor in your mm. discipline. So bravo, man. Bravo. Man, listen, I am trying to to put on display, put celebration on display because I don't think hmm. as a people, as a culture, and as church folk, we 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 understand the discipline and the obligation even of celebration. Celebration because yes, the yes. Lord has brought us a mighty long way. This PhD journey, miss listen, I was a non-traditional student. I was in my mid-30s, second, third Look. career when I started. Took me five years, like you said, two books, witness, you know, traveling, speaking, all of that stuff, family. Uh shout out to my wife, my my son who who got yes, me through come on, come on. and and gave me the time to to work on this. And so for for the first time in my life. I'm celebrating. I don't care who knows. You know what I'm saying? Because look, man. <laughs> yes, yes. It was a community endeavor. It was hard work. I'm proud of the accomplishment. Uh, God ha- has been so faithful, and so, man, I'm 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 living it up. And 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 it's not just a day or a moment. I'm having multiple celebrations, and the cherry on top. I saved. I saved every month for the past five years to to go to a Four Seasons hotel. Now the Ooh, come on, bro. Four Seasons Hotels come was on. founded by Isidore Sharp, who basically pioneered the luxury hotel 
industry. Uh, he, his company is the one that first put hair dryers in bathrooms and things like that. And then he, he, he pivoted to the high-end luxury hotels uh, uh, several decades ago and, and basically spun. So the Ritz-Carlton, all that stuff, that came out of Isidore Sharp's vision for the Four Seasons Hotel. So we mm. finally, mm. finally in October of 21, get a chance to spend a couple of days as a family and just uh, enjoy and and really, really, you know, put a punctuation point, an exclamation mark on uh, on that PhD. So, hey, I'm just saying, Bro, y'all listen, celebrate. Celebrate what's worthy of celebrating. Listen, there are two things I really love about this. Number one is you've been talking about going to a Four Seasons for years. And so to hear that you're actually being able to do that now and you're setting aside money. Listen, don't don't let people feel guilty, make you feel guilty because, you know, they said you you use walking in the prosperity gospel because you enjoyed a nice thing. Okay. So that's one, one thing, but it's so funny that you mentioned that thing about celebration because I was talking to a pastor recently and he said, it is going to be so imperative for you in this next season of your life. And he said, I know it sounds weird, but you need to celebrate celebration. Wow. That you need to center enjoyment and excitement and applause in moments when it's, it's worthy and appropriate. And when it's necessary, um, because God is doing something great in your life. And if God is doing something great in your life, you should celebrate it. Yeah. Um, so, man, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Listen, let that be an example. Y'all been worrying about doing that nice thing because you were yeah. worried about what people were going to say or what they were going to do. You know what? You don't even have to tell them. You don't even have to put it on social media, but it's something that you know you've been working towards and you've desired. So do that nice thing for treat yourself. That's what they say, right? Treat yourself. Especially black Christians. Come on. Listen, y'all been going through all this. Y'all been leaving loud. Y'all been struggling. (laughs) We've been going through 2016. You've been doing all this stuff and you're not treating yourself. We doing it wrong. We doing it wrong, Jamar. We got to lift each other up. And if, if ain't nobody going to, ain't nobody else doing it, you got to do it. So, you know, and yes. it's also for my family too. So they get to enjoy it as Come well. On. The people who, who, who helped you persevere through those challenges deserve some celebration, deserve some, some uh, enjoyment as well. So yeah, I just put it out there and I hope it does inspire people to, to, to celebrate and, and not to feel ashamed of it. And I'll, I'll send pictures. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be taking selfies in bathrooms. Don't be doing that. Don't be putting that on. <laughs> Feeling cute, heart emoji, whatever. <laughs> nah, bro. Delete that. Delete it now, not later. Delete it now. Nah, Listen, the- man, I got to recognize, <laughs> speaking of lifting people up, I got to recognize you and Bo York, our executive, award-winning executive producer for Pastor Mike, for stepping in, man. And as y'all know, I've been pod exhausted and a whole bunch of things have been going on by- behind the scenes, which Jamar knows about. And look, they stepped in. They've been delivering fire episodes. So hand claps all around, snaps all around for my brothers for stepping in. Thank y'all so much. I'm back on the mic, though. I'm ready. Yes. Back on the hey, mic. there's no substitute. We missed your brother. And I'm eager to 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 dive I'm in on mic, today. Bro. We got some fire look, for him today, too. L- let me ask y'all a question. As, a, as Speaking of today, y'all still leaving loud? Wow. Is y'all still leaving loud? Because hmm. I know what y'all thought. I know y'all thought, you know what? They did a couple of episodes. They've been talking about it for a year plus. They probably done with Leave Loud. Wrong again. 
we are not done with Leave Loud because it's still some people that need to vacate your space. If it is toxic, if it is racist, if it is unrepentant, get out of there, Black Christians. Be free. Do not negotiate with your dignity because you are important and leave loud. And it's been so encouraging to hear people talk about their journey of healing. Because we are not simply leaving loud because someone made us feel bad in an isolated incident. We're not just leaving loud because we're annoyed or we have a preferential problem. We're leaving loud because the places and the spaces in which we are either being educated or taught the word of God are not taking our lived experiences seriously. They're not repenting of longstanding issues and sins. They are ignoring and suppressing and dismissing voices that are crying out in the wilderness, speaking God's prophetic truth. And because we tired Mm. and because we have been consistent and because we have tried everything in our power not to do it this way. But if the only way people will hear is if we leave loud and that gives them an opportunity to repent and to fall on their faces and to and to take a step back from the practices that they're doing, that's why we leave loud. Hmm. So I'm just trying, Jamar. I think people still leaving loud, brother. I hope they are. I hope they are. And 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 let me say two things. Number one, when we say leave loud, we're not talking about leaving the faith. We're not talking about leaving Jesus. We're talking oh, about leaving what? spaces. Us leaving Jesus? What? 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 That would mean the Jesus one who left saved up, our souls, which ain't happening. The, look. Uh, but you know people get it twisted on social media so 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 if you hear you know rumblings of that oh they talk about leaving what the faith leave not being christian no 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 no. it's not that so if you hear that tell them different that ain't that's that's number one boo boo the fool (laughs) we ain't boo boo the fool that ain't true that's some deep cuts deep cultural cuts right there i love it um the second thing is do we recognize the signs of the times Right. So so mm. the past, you could trace it to, to 2016. You could go back to 2015 and 2014 or even back to 2012 with Trayvon Martin. For the past decade, at least five, six years, we have seen some messed up stuff, y'all, in a way that yes. has had people showing their whole selves in ways that were more subtle before. I'm not saying anything is brand new. I'm just saying it has reached a level to where we can't sweep it under the rug. We can't go on as if these aren't big issues. So what I'm speaking of in particular, people have committed and recommitted themselves to white Christian nationalism. They have committed and recommitted themselves to racist beliefs and practices. They have committed and recommitted themselves to misogyny and misogynoir in ways that are far more apparent in my experience than than they ever have been. And therefore, it forces a decision. Choose this day whom you will serve, right? That's, that's, that's the kind of clarity, the moral clarity around some present day issues from politics and policy to practices in the local church that we're dealing with. So what I'm trying to say to folks, we leave loud because now is a time that demands a decision. Now is it a, a time where yes. people's allegiances are clearer than they've ever been. And so you have to make a choice. And for so many of us, because institutions are hard to change, individuals are, are mad hard to t- change. But then when you add on to that, the, the baggage of an institution, that's even harder. So, so what happens is the most passionate people tend to get the most pushback. 
And if you are convicted and and adamant about your stances on racial justice or all kinds of justice, you're the one who's going to catch all the heat. You're the one who's going to be exhausted. You're the one who's going up against an entire institution that's dead set set on not changing. And so all I'm saying is perhaps it's new wine for new wineskins. Listen, and, and you know, I'm really glad you're saying that because two things. Number one, I want you to know that healthy churches are possible. Yeah. So don't lose your hope in healthy churches. I know you might not have seen them, but please understand that God is near to you, number one, and there is a space for you and a place for you. I truly believe that. And where there is not one, I'm praying that there is one that is planted near you um, so that you can have a space and you can have a community. But then number two, and and maybe you've, you've experienced this, Jamar, you've seen this, but I'm seeing a lot of people that feel hesitant. And not just hesitant, but maybe guilty is the word. Yes. Uh, for leaving loud, guilty for even thinking that they should leave. And we were having this conversation, and you mentioned some phenomena that you're seeing on social media around this conversation, some of the reactions. And it seems like there's a lot of different camps of people who are responding to this, and there are extremes in this conversation. But you are noticing that some people were feeling. Um, a bit hesitant and also a bit shamed and guilty about even thinking about leaving their church. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think it's helpful for the people to hear it. Yeah, man. So I've been burdened. Um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm not sure if everybody realizes is um, this this sort of mic that we have on the podcast is is a big responsibility and obligation. It's also a privilege because we get to hear from people across the country and we have a lot of conversations with folks who are considering leaving loud, who are thinking about their local church context, or, or maybe they're in a Christian nonprofit. And, and even on social media, you know, the, the, the conversation kind of extends. So I know social media can often be a cesspool, but it's also a lab. It's a, it's a lab for experimentation in the sense of I'll, I'll put something out, I'll post something, an idea, a thought, a quote, and, and just sort of see how people respond and react and, and take note of it and use that to to, to sort of inform um, my thought and, and my conversation on the mic. And one thing I've noticed lately is whenever I put something out on social media about leaving loud, and I may or may not use that hashtag, but what I'm what I'm trying to do is is help people think about what it means to leave and when to leave and why to leave. And what I've noticed is the response. And the response from people is often kind of relief because they'll say things like, oh, I needed to hear this. I'm so glad you said this. Or, this resonates with me so much. It's, it's a sense of, you know, somebody gets the complexity and the burden of my situation. It's just good to hear it reflected back in someone else's words. Um, mm -hmm. I also get a lot of questions, right? Like, well, if we leave, you know, what's going to become of this organization or this institution? You know, if all the people who want it to change are gone, it'll never change. Or what about the people we've left behind? They may not be where they need to be, but if we're not there, what's going to happen? Or or it, it'll be, you know, if I leave, where, where do I go? Am I giving up on the church? All of those kinds of things. And I hear the question, and I hear the, the 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 comments, but I also hear the question mm -hmm. behind the question. Hmm. Talk about it. The question behind the question to me, it seems like, is if I leave, am I being a bad Christian? 
hmm. which is which is the wrong framing in, entirely, right? You're, you're a Christian, period. So it's just not bad or good. It's just you're a Christian. But but also there's this underlying, I think, sense of guilt, of a sense that I've I've abandoned the church. I've abandoned mm. people. Mm-hmm. I'm being selfish. I shouldn't do this. This is part of what it means to sort of bear my cross, that kind of thinking. And to me, man, it just gets back to the idea from Galatians 5, for freedom Christ has set you free. You are free. Come on. Be mm-hmm. free, brothers. Be free, sisters. Be free not to just do whatever you want. Be free to pursue the Lord in a healthy context and don't burden yourself, heap on burdens of guilt for leaving what is oftentimes a toxic space that's actually hindering your walk with Jesus. And you're free to go follow Jesus. (laughs) I'm really glad you're mentioning this because I think another thing that I have noticed alongside of this is... When people come to this realization, and a lot of words and, and phrases are, are used to typically talk about it, and we won't get into that all today. We probably will in the coming weeks. But you know, whether people call it deconstruction or decolonizing or what have you, I, you know, there's different thoughts on what these mean. But what I'm noticing is that one of the first realizations for people is that they realize that they've supplanted God's voice with a person's voice, and what tends to happen is we hear the word of God through a space of authority. And because the American church is so top down and is so hierarchical and is also so celebrity driven that we think now that person is really the person who God is using specifically um, to change our life. And that can't happen with anyone else or any place else or anybody else or in any other community. And so we start to have this sectarian mindset, which says, well, this is my place of transformation and I can't get transformed any other place. I'm a pastor of a church. And I think it's important to say that while I totally understand what pastors go through, I live it and I've lived it being a PK um, since I was very young. But I think it's important to say we are not that important and we are not that powerful to control someone's spiritual destiny and spiritual maturity. It was not the intent of why we were placed in that position to exercise the power that only the Holy Spirit should have. And so I think for some people, the reason why they feel guilty is they have to confront the fact that, oh, this person has become an idol for me, or these people have become idols for me. And I have this mentality that they don't need to be challenged or that they don't Mm. need to repent or that Mm. they don't have any issues within themselves that we as a community should be uniquely designed to bring to the surface and to sharpen out of one another, right? Because I'm not just sanctified by myself. I'm sanctified within the context of a community, right? I grow in maturity within the context of a community. And so I, I'm like, man, I welcome it when people are saying, hey, I see this in you and you might not see it in yourself, but explain this to me. Let's ask some questions. Let's talk about this because I think this might not serve you well in your future, And I think this might need to be something that you need to confront, even as a leader, even as a pastor. I think that's so important for us to hear in the right context. And so for some of us, we have to really repent of the idea that we have supplanted God's voice for people's voice of authority. And also, this is particularly important for those of us 
who are in the reform space or the young, restless reform mm-hmm. space. And yes. I want to actually specifically talk about those of us who were introduced to reform theology and reform doctrine through Christian hip hop. We mm. were, were introduced to it and we were, it was brought to us in the context of someone holding a mic and exercising authority and skill and gift and power and anointing, if that's the word you want to use, um, which I would use personally. And I want us to be very careful about thinking that everything that we learned in that season is that it doesn't require interrogation. You better interrogate Mm. that season of your life. And and I don't know why I'm led to go here, but you need to interrogate that season of your life. (laughs) I was going to say, I didn't know you were going there, but okay. I didn't know either, but interrogate that season of your life. Not because it it needs to be discarded and dismissed and put in the trash, but because there is something very deep and powerful about how we interacted with that season Hmm. and about how most of us did not have a a firm grasp on our holistic identity, our embodied identity as black men or black women. And that for the first time, we felt the freedom to engage with that and also hold on to just enough of slaveholder theology. And there was just enough of a, a ratio to make us feel like we were in both groups and we were in both crowds. And that, oh, this is the sweet spot because it's not offending white people. And it's also engaging with black culture. And so we became minstrels, right? My and so anyway. Um, Come on. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> You're starting a whole new series chill, right now. This yeah, is good. Yeah, I'm a chill. Yeah. I'll, I'll save this for the documentary. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, I, I think we need to interrogate that, that space in our lives because a lot of us have not recovered. Yeah. And we're acting as though we have, and we just move from church to church. And we still hear something in the back of our head exercising authority over us and telling us, you shouldn't do that. That's not who you are. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, where's the where's the book chapter and verse that says you can do that? And it was really white men who exercise authority over us and really tamed an entire um, and muted, I should say, an entire mm. generation of black Christians mm. and kept us from tapping into the power of those who came before and the unique gift that God has placed on the inside of us. And so for some of us, it's that too. It's the way in which we came to faith and the way in which we grew in faith that hasn't been interrogated enough. And that hasn't been challenged enough for us to identify the idols. You have idols in your heart and you have to identify them and tear them down. The only way you're able to grow is if you identify those idols and tear them down. And so a lot of us haven't done that work And we haven't confronted the fact that, oh, these people, I thought these people were the people. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were the, they were the voices. And so I'd read more of them than I would the scriptures, or I'd read more of them Mm. trying to be faithful, or I'd read even the scriptures through their lens. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Not through what the spirit is leading me to actually see and not through what the Bible says and not to learn and not to hear and not to confront my biases but just so I could be approved by them. And that's why you're guilty because you haven't broken the unholy, unhealthy tie that they had as spiritual authority figures and they ain't even your pastors. Okay, mm. that's a side note. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but interrogate that. Interrogate that in your life. I, I, I think that's absolutely accurate. And I think, I think the, the part about idols we also need to understand is that we hold idols as sacred. So- 
we oftentimes mm-hmm. don't recognize them as idols. And, and even if we kind of do, if we have some misgivings, they're in a particular part in our hearts where it's hard to dislodge it. It feels painful yes. to knock yes. the idol down. And this gets back to this the whole leaving loud thing. If we have been discipled or conditioned into thinking, well, only these kinds of Christians who check these theological boxes or in these networks or these fellowships get it about Jesus or quote unquote have the gospel, then what if I leave, even if it's an idol, if I leave, I've already been sort of conditioned and shaped to think that leaving is is an absolute impossibility. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make mm-hmm. it's going to mean something about my faith that I don't want it to mean. And that's where you're saying, you know, the interrogation has to come in because even that prioritizing of a certain group or a certain congregation or a certain whatever that needs to be questioned that it may come out that it's fine or, or or there's some other conclusion all we're saying is that it needs to be put under the yes. lens of conscience and scripture just like everything else that we're talking about right and the other thing is we can also be especially as black folks and people of color in predominantly white spaces we can be conditioned to think that if we're not there there's no hope. Come on, talk about the FOMO. Talk about, but talk about, yeah, you know? yeah, bro. Yes, there's two. There's two sides of this, right? So there's the yes. FOMO, which is a lot of us have to be honest about the fear of missing out, which is, yes. oh, I feel like, really, you're saying, oh, I need to be here, which is really you think that they're continually growing as a church or an organization, and you'd be missing out on an opportunity to be a part of something big, <sighs> right? Because we we're so jaded by disappointment. And, and losses and failure that we cling unhealthily to places of success or wow. perceived success. Yeah, perceived, right. So that's yeah. one thing that we have to have to uh, confront. But then the other thing is, you know, and I've mentioned this before in different contexts, we just, we really feel like we need to save. Right. right. Listen, Why do we yes, feel like this? Yes. We feel like Why the magical Negro like or the magical person of color, whatever it is. And there's, let me just say this, y'all, in case you didn't know, there's only one savior. Come on. There's Come on. Only one savior. And it's a form of arrogance even to think that the ultimate health of a particular congregation or church or fellowship depends on our presence there. Hmm. It, really? Yes. <laughs> like yes. really? Um now, now I get it, right? Like we don't typically think in these terms. I've been in those situations where y- what you're really thinking is, well, I'm doing some good or I want to think I'm doing some good. Sure. A- and sure. if I withdraw from this fellowship, then even the little good I'm doing isn't going to be there. And then it's only going to get worse. And I care about this group. I care about these people. I get it. I get it. But honestly, God said he will build the church. It's yes. going to be all right. Yes. And and honestly, if you're not in a place where you can pursue Jesus in a healthy manner and you're not growing, then you're actually not doing the good you think you're doing. And you're doing immense mm. harm because mm. if you're not healthy as a Christian, how can you help others be healthy? So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes. We don't yes. need to put ourselves on Jesus' throne. Jesus is going to build the church. And uh, Jesus is not displeased. <laughs> I don't think if you get to a place where you can follow Christ better, 
And that's all we're saying. You know, and so I, be free. I, yes. <laughs> be free because, and I want y'all to hear this. They saw all the same things you saw. Hmm. And if those things that they saw and those books that you recommended and those panels that they had hmm. and those times that you told them to have a black person to pray or quote a black person in their sermon, which means read their materials and do something for Black History Month. So they sang Lift Every Voice. <laughs> Listen, they saw all, look, <laughs> look, they saw the same things you saw. They saw the bodies in the streets. They saw it. If it's not changing them, I, I don't know what you think you're going to do. Hmm. What do you think you're going to do? Why do you think, why do you think it's going to be different? Because you have five coffees. Mm. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Mm. That's another idol. You think that relationships bring salvation. Wow. No, only one relationship brings salvation. And it's not a relationship with you because you have some clever way of talking and clever way of communicating the truth. You think people are changed by the cleverness of your words or by your research? Be free. Go to bed. Stop reading all these books to refute arguments. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> Go to bed. Stop reading. Y'all, some of y'all are reading books not for your own education, but to refute arguments because you're sick of being in a space where people are quoting Candace Owens. Ooh. Go to bed. Get some rest. The righteous sleep well. The nap ministry. <laughs> nap minute snore. Please, because I'm, I just don't understand it. Why are we in this space where we feel like, man, you know, if I just listen to Pastor Mike this many times, I'm going to find something It's going to get him. I'm going to recommend Pastor Mike to him. Listen, if they ain't hearing the spirit of God, they ain't going to hear Jamar and Tyler. Mm. <laughs> don't send them to know. <laughs> yes, it is true. Sometimes conviction be coming. But listen, the problem is they not listening. They not listening to the spirit of God that's on the inside of you. So why do you think they're going to listen to us? They don't know us. Oh, because we're we're people of authority? What does that mean? Oh, because we're quote unquote people know us? What does that mean? True transformation only comes by the spirit. Hmm. So it's a lot of us that look, we staying up late at night, we working ourselves to the bone, we bearing burdens. Every time we come into church, we trying to look for the black people or the new black family that comes in. <laughs> and we trying to give them the best interpretation and the first impression of what this church is. So we go up to them first so that they not we're subtly protecting them and don't realize that it's because they're in an unsafe space. And so are we. And we're going through all these gymnastics. We're writing long emails in private meetings, getting yelled at. Getting pointed out. Whenever we have a Facebook post that says Black Lives Matter, hmm. still having hmm. to moderate our comment section, this is not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> this is not what it's supposed to be, y'all. And I'm not saying if you're in a church, if you're in a healthy church, you're not going to encounter difficulty. Trust me, I know that's not the case. There is no perfect church. And there are many churches, pretty much every church has to confront unhealthy, toxic practices within its four walls. I totally understand that. But some of this is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And we have to ask the question, why am I here? And why am I fighting this fight? And why am I engaged in this battle? Because it's good for me? Because it's where God has called me? Or is it because I don't know where I'd go if I didn't have this? Mm -hmm. And fear that's the unhealthy, unholy fear, right? Which makes us feel like we're bad Christians if we say, you know what? I have said, I have had, I don't know how many meetings over the past 10 years 
or five years or seven years. And pastor, I love you. But if if the church isn't changing, I'm changing. Wow. And the trajectory that I'm going is not the same that this church is going. And so I bless you. But as I leave, I bless you and I tell you, this church needs to repent. My, my, my. Whew. Hey folks, Jamar Tisby, co-host of the Pass the Mic podcast, and I have a quick request for you. If you have appreciated the podcast, would you consider becoming a patron of the podcast? Head over to patreon.com slash pass the mic. That's M-I-C, patreon.com slash pass the mic. And you can support us per episode at $1 all the way up to $10. You get special access, special privileges for being a patron of the podcast. But most importantly, if you have appreciated the work of me and Tyler and Bo, uh, lo these many years since 2013, we would really appreciate it if you lent us your financial support so that we can keep doing this and even get better at what we're doing and increase our offerings. So go to patreon.com slash pass the mic and become a supporter of the podcast. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you in part by Baker Publishing Group. Most of us don't want to spend our lives being time wasters, space takers, binge watchers, or game players. We want to be difference makers. But maybe we make changing the world a little more complex than it really is. Making a difference isn't measured by a viral post or a name on a building. It isn't determined by a following or a fan base. Want to make a difference? Focus on just one person at a time. That's the secret of the way of Jesus. In his newest book, One at a Time, Kyle Eidelman invites us to better understand the surprising habits of Jesus and the power of small things done with great love. He challenges true disciples to fully commit to the unexpected Jesus way of changing the world by loving people one at a time. Baker Bookhouse is pleased to partner with Christianity Today to offer a special discount on your copy of One at a Time. Visit bakerbookhouse.com by February 28, 2022 and use promo code 1-2022. That's O-N-E-2022 to receive 40% off with free shipping. Okay, so that's what freedom looks like, right? I mean, it's what it's supposed to look like, I think. Yes. Okay. So, oh man. All right. So, so, so if you go back to the passage for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, said to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again if you accept circumcisions, that you're obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. Okay, so typically, we exegete this passage as um, we are not beholden to the Old Testament temple sacrifice, uh, the the cultic laws of Old Testament Judaism in context. Yes, that's part of it. And then we further Uh exegete it to say... um, okay, we're saved by grace through faith and not by perfectly keeping the Ten Commandments, right? So so it's this whole thing of it's not works, it's, it's faith in Christ. And that's typically where it stops. But mm-hmm. let's apply this. Let's apply this passage. Let's say, for instance, that circumcision or the yoke of slavery 
is feeling beholden to a particular church or group of religious authorities, which the Bible would have called scribes and Pharisees, that you think, unless Hmm. I check all their boxes, unless I remain in their good graces, unless I remain in their temple, their group, right, then I am not being a faithful follower, a faithful religious person. Somehow I'm I'm not doing the right thing. And where Paul is telling you, for freedom Christ has set you free. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to this system of laws and rules and procedures, which is just a modern day form of pharisaicalism, right? Um, And so what does it mean then to truly be free in Christ is to say these religious authority figures, these people with platforms and uh, speaking at conferences, or these, even just my local church, right? This this pastor or, or this group of elders telling me stuff that I know is not true. Can we still be clear on this? I just want to be crystal clear on this. This is not about the everyday human conflict we get into because we're all sinners. No, no, this is, <laughs> this is different. This is this not is about Oh, they 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 won't let me play uh, guitar, even though I've been playing for two weeks, and and I think I know no, something. This not, ain't no. this ain't what we're talking about. We're talking about folks who say January sixth. It was just a bunch of folks, you know, walking around the Capitol building. It wasn't very it wasn't good people on both sides. Very good, very people fine on both people sides. on both sides. We're talking about folks who who um, deny truth. They traffic in conspiracy theories that are harmful to the most vulnerable people in our society. We are, this is the other thing. You know, the one thing, one of the things I love about history is all about context. Studying history helps you know the who's, the what's, the when's, the why's of that specific period, right? And in a similar way, we need to be folks who can read our times, who can exegete our context. And what is happening now, and it has been happening for several years, we said this at the top of the show, people are declaring themselves. So so, so what does that mean? If your church or context or congregation has doubled down on white Christian nationalism now, after the previous administration, after yeah, all these right. cell phone videos, after historic yeah. levels of uprisings in 2020, brothers and sisters, they ain't going to change. Let me put it this way. They don't want to change. Yeah, they they have no intention of changing. They have no intention (laughs) of changing. You can't be... The Spirit of God may grab them and change them, but they have no intention within themselves to change. Anybody can change. It is within the realm of God's possibility. But I can tell you now, if you are having these conversations, if you are butting your head against a wall right now, they have no present intention of changing. Even if they take your call, even if they meet mm-hmm. you for coffee, even if they mm-hmm. receive and reply to your email, they have no serious intention of changing. So then the question is, you know who they are. You know what they're about. The question is, what are you going to do about it? And do you truly believe that you are free, free enough to leave and go find another place that's healthier, even if you don't know where that is? Do you believe that God cherishes your faith and your growth and your following him enough to say, there's a place for you. You may not know what it is right now, but there Mm -hmm. is a place for you. 
And all, all I want to say is you are that free. That is a radical freedom that flies yes, in the face yes. of all expectations. That is the kind of freedom that brings glory to God because people will look at us and say, oh my goodness, they, 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 they turn their back on everything that was valuable from a certain perspective. And they chose to follow Christ, even though it meant leaving something. That's real freedom. Yes. 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 I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm just, I feel this nah, deep this in is, my soul is, to the point where I don't even know if my words can keep up with, with, with what I'm, with, 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 with what I feel like we need to hear yeah. right now. Yeah. But yeah, like if we really apply the words of scripture, if we really leaned into our own liberation that Christ bought with his blood, oh man. Talk about turning this the is, world upside down. This is why we say that the dominant emotion of leave loud is not defiance and anger, it's love. Ooh. Right? There is certainly a holy defiance within it, but the dominant emotion is love. That number one, we love our people enough. Yeah. Well, even before that, we love God enough to yeah. follow what God has called for us all to do as believers and followers of Jesus. We love our people enough not to recommend and co-sign spaces where they will be harmed and where they will be damaged and where they will potentially be jaded away from the faith. We love them enough not to recommend that. And we also love those who are, who are white, who are um, perpetrating these unhealthy, toxic spaces. We love them enough to say, we're not going to give you an audience. We're going to challenge you and do whatever we can to get your attention and say, you must repent. And if you do yep. not repent, you, you, a Facebook post is not the worst you're going to have to deal with. We love you enough to say, hey, if I'm leaving and navigating out of this, that's not the worst that's going to happen if you don't mm. repent. Because mm. you cannot sow these seeds and not reap the whirlwind, right? <sighs> and so what we what we aim to do, again, is portray this is what love looks like. Justice, as Cornel West says, is what love looks like in public. We want to put flesh on our love. We don't just simply want to say, I love you lightly and casually. But we want to say it and mean it with how we live and how we walk and how we talk. And so you're actually loving people well when you make this decision. And you're loving yourself and you're loving the commands and you're loving the calling of God well when you make this decision. So I hope people hear this not as like, man, we just want people to walk out and storm out and, you know do the Arthur meme and, you know, <laughs> skip away. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we want you in a holy, healthy way, find a place where you can follow the full flourishing of what it means to be a Jesus follower holistically. And that when you do that, that's an act of love. Hmm. That's Come an act of resistance. Uh, <laughs> I, I forget who it was, but somebody said in um the early 1900s, he was talking about, I think it was, it might've been Niebuhr. Um, but Niebuhr said justice that is only justice is less than justice. Hmm. But that justice has to be apprehended by something greater than itself, which is love. Hmm. Right. So justice, I think that's Niebuhr. I could be wrong, but justice has to be, it, there's something behind it. Right. So that's why yeah. we, we're not just yeah. a justice podcast. Right. Right. We like talking about justice and that's great. Amen. It's part of the gospel, but, but we're not just a justice podcast. Because something at a certain point has to be appreh apprehending the justice and give it its root, which is love. Hmm. 
Love is at the center. <laughs> love is the foundation. Love is the underlying tone and tenor of everything that we say. We're not just popping off at the mouth. Right. We're saying right. we love our people. Yeah. And we'll take the arrows and we'll take the hits for our people and they can get mad at us and write blogs about us and block us and, and all kinds of wild things can happen. We're okay with that because we love our people enough to endure that well and to walk through that so that even if a few people just hear and get free and are able to walk into spaces mm, where they're healthy and not damaged it. and not hurt, it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And we Let's, think that type of self-sacrificial love is, is what actual real Christ love looks like. I want to bring it to a concrete example so people can start, like like see this in action, and and you and I can both speak to this because 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 we 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 lived and are living through it. So was it 2017 uh -oh. when we changed the name to the Witness? We were we began as the Reformed African American Network, and when I was out to I'll own it when I was thinking of this, it was to carve out space for Black people in these predominantly white evangelical and reformed circles so so that we would have a seat at the table. Well, over years of hard experience, we learned, you know what, they're not giving up those seats. And honestly, that table wasn't built for us in the first place. So mm -hmm. it may not be the best place for us. And so we changed the name. And it was a long process. We, we had conversations about it for probably at least a year leading up to it. Then we had a whole retreat where we talked about potential uh, names where we talked about the ramifications of changing the name. But one of the we talked biggest... about moving. We talked about all moving to the oh same city. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. My goodness. Um it was it was a fun time. And and <laughs> I think I think the spirit led us because here's what happened. One of the primary drivers for us even considering changing the name is how much time and energy we were spending on what I call racial apologetics basically making mm -hmm. the case for racial justice to a bunch of people who were resisting it. And that was taking up more time, more energy, more space in our brains, hearts, and prayers than actually ministering to and serving the people we existed for, which in our case is, is Black folks. And we changed the name as a sign that, you know what? we're we're leaving these spaces we don't need your approval we don't want to uh spend all of our time butting our heads against people and systems and organizations mm -hmm. that don't want to change mm -hmm. and you know what happened after that we actually began to minister to people who needed it who were receptive yep. to it that's all and we think about and so, yeah, exactly. So now the bulk of our conversation, our thought, our energy goes towards you. Folks who will listen to a podcast like Pass the Mic or will go to the witnessbcc.com and read an article and serving you better. And so all of that, think about it for your situation. All of this time, energy, attention, you know, pouring out of, of prayers and tears, which is not wasted, but there are others who you can serve and who need you. And there are others who can minister to you. And yes. there will, it, will, it will soon happen that you will enter into a new space and you will become so immersed in the good work that you've always longed to do that you'll look back and you'll say to yourself, why did I stay so long? Why did I endure? Why did I waste? I won't say waste, right? But why did I spend so much time 
um, casting pearls before swine. That's what the Bible says. Isn't it interesting how honest scripture is about people who are hard-hearted and stubborn and don't want to change and saying, you know what? You don't need to stay there forever. So that's all I'm saying. We are living this and we can testify that um, there is a place for you where you're celebrated and not merely tolerated. And you can spend more yes. of your energy and time uh, with uh, with the people who are willing to be served and and ministered to you, uh, ministered um, receive your ministry and also minister to you. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's not condemnation. It's an invitation. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say just as a testimony of what God is doing in us, it's not like, you know, in any way, shape or form that because it's, it's not profitable ministry, but <laughs> everything has increased since we've stepped into this. <laughs> everything is expanded, say that. Say that. whether it's our audience, whether it's um, just the amount of people who are giving and donating, credibility, our team, respect, um, our credibility, and our time to be able to. I, I spent so much time this week, and Jamar knows this. I spent so much time this week dreaming about spaces for Black people, hmm. and we're acting on it, like creating spaces specifically for content creators. Like we're acting on that. Like we are a podcast network, and we'll tell you more about that in the, in the coming weeks. But none of that would have been possible if we were still fighting fights over in the corner with people who are determined to misunderstand us. Mm. And so now we're able to have resources to be able to give to and share with and partner with other black Christians who are leaders themselves, not because we're great, but just because we stopped striving against what we were really called to do. See, a lot of times we're not making progress because we're fighting against ourselves. Okay. Like we have All a right, call Pastor. and we're fighting against the place. Look, okay. Where God guides, God provides. Okay, <laughs> like where there's a vision, there's provision. Like that's why I grew up here. And so, I mean, the problem is a lot of us were striving against, um, and really, what God desires for us is for us to to walk in it freely, fully, hmm. unafraid, and see what God does. See how God increases you. See how God expands you. You know, that's just some. We we are a testimony of that, and there are other organizations that we can point to that are testimonies of that. And so, stop. Stop feeling like you're you're going to be less of or less than. No, there are people who are waiting on you to walk in this, mm-hmm. even if it's within your own family. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's enough. There are people who are waiting on you to have the freedom enough to say, no more. And let me actually walk in and do the healing work because this is the issue. And this is something you need to hear. You're going to have to do it regardless. It's just a matter of when you do it. <laughs> do you want to do it now or later? <laughs> It's going to take as long as it's going to take. So you might as well start now. My, my, my. Might as well do it now. And I think right now in this season, there, there, are, there are so many Black Christians who are eager to take that step, who are yeah. eager to do that, and who are doing it, and who have done it, and who are walking it out. And the community that you experience now, it's not going to be an easy road, but the community you experience now is not what it once was. It's going to be deeper and more full and greater. And I think you'll find family. That's yeah. what we, that's what happened with us. That's right. Um, we found each other on this journey. I think you'll find others as well. So anyway, we've gone on long enough, but we just going to say, I always say that whenever I get to the end, I'm like, well, anyway, <laughs> not yep. anyway. Okay. <laughs> not anyway. I hope y'all received this. I hope you're free and I hope you walk in that freedom, not the freedom of the idols, not the freedom of the people, not the freedom of the seasons, not the idealizing of the seasons, but that you 
you recognize who the true savior is and you're yeah. able to follow him wherever he leads. That's what we want for you. That's what Leave Loud is all about. Be free. Be free. Get back in mic shape, man. Gotta get back in mic shape. Huh. Huh. It's been a minute. <laughs>